Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Russell Hanby, regular co-host of What's Making News to this week's edition. Welcome again, Russ. Thanks, Henry. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And how are you? I'm very well, too. That's good, yes. You were expecting a different answer? Well, you didn't get it. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, straight down the middle today. Straight down the middle today. Well, we got a lot. Did you have any homework? No, no, uh, we had a free free run this week. Oh, so we can we can actually get straight into the what's making news. We 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 won't distract or bore our listeners with all that other uh, stuff we talk about. That uh, yeah, it'll be a cha- it'll be a change for us all, won't it? Yeah, it will be. Let's hope they enjoy a what is it a straight a straight version of the of the of what's making news. That's right. Yes. I was just looking back in the in the history, uh, getting a few points. Uh, what uh, my life at the station and your life, and it was about twenty years ago we did start this program. It was called Education Matters. It you was called Education Matters all those years ago, and here we are now um, we, in twenty twenty one. Right, we're still. I think we've got our training wheels off almost, haven't we now? Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, no, it's been quite a journey and it's a wonderful, a wonderful... I've got a joke for you, Russell. Oh, yes? Yes. Did you hear about the man who went into the diner? Just a a gentleman went in, he ordered his meat pie and veggies and some salad and whatever and a cup of coffee and he sat down to start when all of a sudden three very, very tough-looking bikers called in and the first one walked up to the man looked at him and stubbed his cigarette out in his pie. Uh, the man didn't do anything. He just sat there. The second biker walked up, tough-looking biker. I mean, most bikers are nice people, but these three particular gentlemen didn't appear to be so by their behaviour. The second one went up and spat in his coffee. He just looked down at the table and he didn't move. Didn't respond. The third biker came up, looked at the old man. He's a relatively old man. Picked up his plate and tipped his pie upside down on the table. The three of them then went over to another table and sat down and they were laughing and joking and started to order their meal. The the, 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 the old man sitting at the table with his food all upended and soiled and such sat there for a few minutes, got up and walked out. Anyway, the three... Rough, tough bikers <coughs> finished whatever they were doing very boisterously, and as they're leaving and paying, uh, the the barman said, uh, uh, restaurateur said, "Well, that wasn't very nice of you, three gentlemen, the way you treated that old man." And one of them said, "Nah, he wasn't much of a man anyway, was he? he wasn't much good." And the uh, the barman said, "Well, well, maybe he wasn't." He's not much of a truck driver either. He just backed over three motorbikes out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Anyway, <laughs> and no, okay. off- no offence meant to no, the many people I, who ride bikes <laughs> and would never dream of doing that. But I was um, wondering, I was wondering what, uh, what his revenge would be, you know, what was going to happen. Yes, karma, karma. You treat people right. badly, well, you want to look out. Anyway, back to the news. Um, the Age Russell Rockin' on Heaven's Door stars farewell music mogul 
Michael Gadinsky. Jimmy Barnes called Michael Gadinsky, quote, the rock reached for, I reached for when life tried to wash me away. Many great stars international were there and Australians, weren't they? They were indeed. And this was on Wednesday night. Uh, he, uh, that's uh, Jimmy, along with the, the other famous singers, uh, performed at a packed uh, Rod Laver Arena at the State Memorial for Michael Godinsky. Now, some of the stars include Ed Sheeran, Kylie Minogue, Mark Seymour, Paul Kelly, Beaker and Linda, a big list of them there. And they, they received tributes from Neil Young, Paul McCartney, Midnight Oil and Bruce Springsteen and lots of others. Interestingly, Ed Sheeran wrote a wrote his song about it all while spending two weeks in quarantine in New South Wales. And I think he came across just for the for the for the show there or the the um, you know the memorial. And uh, we know that Gudinski founded Mushroom Records many years ago and then and was its CEO right up till the end. Yes. Now, in your many years on radio, um, you'd have been uh, you'd have come across the the artists that uh, he supported. Uh, and also the influence of his work, I would guess. Russell, what's your opinion of the man? Yes, well, over the years, he's very, he's very much supported. Coming through last night, he, he supported and encouraged the, the, the people that were sort of hanging back, and many of them spoke of the great tributes about uh, how he'd encouraged them to go on, and uh, even Kylie Minogue said that, uh, you know, he took her under his wing at the start and uh, brought them on. Yeah, many of his mushroom records, I, I think back uh, 25 years, I've got a, a mushroom record set of CDs that sort of was a complimentary set that went to radio stations, uh, not for sale, and, and had most of the songs on it, you know, that we know and love from, from then. Mm, no, look, he was um, innovative, he was entrepreneurial, and from what everybody says about him, a man with an extremely kind heart who who nurtured talent and not always when that talent was visible to others. No, that's he, right. He had a good eye for that. Mm. And anyone who thought, oh, I'm not much good at this, and he, if he saw some talent there, he'd certainly encourage it. So as well as being a great mentor, he was a, a good entrepreneur, brought out all these tours around us, hundreds of them, weren't they, around Australia and that from, from everywhere. Um, it would be hard to say there was another person in the modern Australian music industry who came close to the impact influence of Michael Godinsky. That's right. I couldn't imagine anybody else as influential as him in the last 30, 40, 50 years. Indeed. And I actually watched it on the YouTube last night, uh, or the Wednesday night. Uh, it was streaming. I think that's the only place you could get it actually live. And I was wondering why they, one of the free-to-airs didn't pick it up. It would have rated its socks off, wouldn't it, I think? You'd think so, because um, oh, you had so many international people involved of, of outstanding quality. And uh, look, if you took any interest in in popular music in the last 30 or 40 years, you, you couldn't help but um, have come across the, the, the people and the work inspired by Michael Gadinsky. You just couldn't have. No, so, indeed. Um, great he was certainly a uh, one-off, wasn't he? A one-off. He was. He was a one-off. And um, sadly, he's with us no more. What are kids at risk of? Why are they calling? What's the problem there, Russ? Well, uh, kids' councils, they're calling police and ambulances twice a day to help suicidal or abused Victorian children as young as five, harmed under the cover of COVID-19 lockdowns. And the Kids Helpline shows that the child abuse notification soared by two-thirds last year. Uh, 16 Victorian children aged as young as five to nine reported uh, abuse or suicide attempts. 
uh, and called police uh, to, to, and uh, through that the helpline often called police or emergency services. In fact, councils had to call the services uh, about uh, 58% in Victoria higher than in 2020. It soared by that much. And uh, it's quite serious things too, abuse and attempting of suicide. In fact, 746 children were reported by Kids Healthline in immediate danger of suicide or abuse. That's 56% higher than in 2019. What they put it down to with the COVID side of it is, the, particularly in the second lockdown, Victoria's second lockdown, um, serious harm was reported up 46% on the previous three months. Uh, stress, isolation and loneliness. And they've had a young primary schoolers, they, they hear the news, et cetera, and they've got worries, fear, sadness, loss and grief. And they're also worried about the health or future of their grandparents' health. So a lot of worries that uh, you don't sort of think, oh, the young ones, they'll be right, but they apparently do take it very deeply. Yeah, and they're not actually in the most powerful position to look after themselves. They're generally pretty dependent on adults, and if the adults let them down around them, um, the kids are the kids are really exposed to all sorts of um, uh, situations that can create for them e- extreme stress and depression. Um, yes, um, we did a survey when the kids came back, Russell, of our children, and what. I think initially surprises, but when I read all this and I've thought about it, doesn't, is that the biggest fear the majority of kids identified during remote learning was the fear of loss of their parents. They, they were worried for their parents, um, their health and their work. And mm. I guess it's not surprising because kids' lives are tied up with their parents' well-being, isn't it? Very That's much right. so. I mean, you depend on mum and dad or your step-parents or whoever your guardians might be. So it's unsurprising, but this part of it, um, yeah, it's very tragic and sad. Let's hope we get past COVID-19 this year as soon as possible. And um, while things will never go back to the way they were, they can go back to a new normality that um, that we can all thoroughly enjoy and we, we have kids in a better frame of mind overall. That's right. Well, they're slowly uh, easing the restriction, aren't they? Their football's now 75% this uh, weekend of the crowd. And I see they're bringing overseas people slowly back uh, from the uh, 8th of April, I think, uh, uh, in a small amount. I think it's in the first week, it's 800 people. And then about a week later, they're going to extend it because they're really worried or hopeful that there won't be another hotel quarantine debacle, don't well, they? Well, that yeah, that's the thing. We just better hope that our authorities have got the quarantine system in place because we're a long way from um, inoculating all Australians uh, with COVID nineteen uh, COVID nineteen vaccine. And it would only take, as we've seen already too many times, it doesn't take much for a, an outburst somewhere, outbreak no. somewhere, to create a lockdown situation, and all that fear comes back. That's right. I mean, I know we've had, I think, three or four days of what they call triple zero with no cases. But uh, we saw what happened in Queensland and Sydney only this month. You know, you get the odd one and it's off again if you're not careful, isn't it? Absolutely. So let's hope they've got quarantining under control and that that, uh, also we can roll out the vaccine as quick as possible. We need to take a short break. Russ, can you hold the line? Yes, certainly. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosak, and we're in the middle of What's Making News with Russell Hamby. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. The Herald Sun, big rise in baby bugs. Emergency departments across Australia are recording a spike in the number of babies with serious respiratory illnesses such as bronchitis and croup. That's a bit of a worry. 
It is, yes. I even know a person, a friend of ours, their young baby or grandchild uh, had croup uh, 10 days ago, had to go to the Angus Hospital to be checked over. I didn't have to stay there, but there's a lot of it around. Uh, there's also a rise in RSV, which is respiratory a syncytial virus. It's a it's a nasty, coldy, throaty type thing. As restrictions have eased, uh, our COVID restrictions have eased. Uh, Sunshine Hospital in the West uh, has got cases of soaring cases of bronchiolitis. Now that's typically a winter disease from May to September. And in fact, 21 babies in February 2019, 27 had it. Uh, I was 2018, 27 in 19, 38 in 2020, and 77, almost double this year on last year. Um, and the youngest baby, what they think it partly is due to, the youngest babies have spent most of their 18 months in family lockdown. They've been less likely to attend playgrounds and groups and uh, have become what they call immune naive, meaning they haven't suffered anything to, for immunity to have to fight against. But now, of course, the, they're at playgroups again and play centres, and that's caused a doubling between February 2020 and 2021 of these respiratory and uh, other cases. In fact, the Royal Children's Hospital's emergency department, they've been overrun by what they call an incredibly high volume of patients. So that's another perhaps uh, side effect of the coronavirus uh, situation. Mm, it's interesting the way the terminology they use, and you're right, a large cohort of babies have been described as largely, quote, immune naive. Um, not sure about that. I mean, no. is, uh, what do they mean by immune naive? What, their, their immune systems... A naive. I don't think you could describe an immune system no. as naive. Maybe they mean it hasn't. They haven't had to be immune against anything, or haven't had any disease to set up an immunity. A bit like saying, you know, you've got to eat dirt before you die. Where it's good for kids to play in mud pies and that, and perhaps they even eating some of the dirt because they build up. What remember they used to say, oh, you build up immunity. That's the things if you eat a bit of dirt. Did you do that? No, I didn't do it, but there's others did, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think but... I'm being, I think we're, we're not, we're being figuratively speaking, I think, about that. Oh, not right, figuratively speaking. Figuratively speaking, there's, um, there's uh, a figure of money apparently being wasted. Do you want to change, talk about that one? Yes, it's been a baby's and young children's uh, discussion today. Every new parent uh, dreams of having a baby who sleeps. Now, those who don't often turn to sleep, those who don't often turn to sleep consultants for the magic touch. But researchers found that many of these so-called experts are not trained to treat sleep problems or disorders. And uh, Dr. Richardson from the University of Western Australia Centre for, for Sleep Science said that there could be two issues about uh, these, these people trying to help. Uh, professionals may not recognise sleep problems in the young children and people claiming to treat child sleep issues may not be qualified to do so. Now, they studied 263 doctors, nurses and psychologists, found nearly two-thirds had received little or no training in sleep problems or disorders. Now, the, the downside is that they often cost thousands of dollars a night uh, and uh, they're not regulated, uh, these sleep uh, so-called experts. And uh, what they think is that Children have different body clocks and sleep variability, so applying the same bedtime and sleep training techniques can be damaging, according to Dr. Richardson. And the Flinders University Child and Adolescent Sleep Clinic's Professor Michael Gradisar says that a baby whose body clock was timed late cannot be expected to sleep at 7 p.m. And he says that the effect of chronic sleep deprivation can be serious and thinks that Parents should be given more support and uh, if they're going to get anyone to help them to check 
preferably tertiary qualifications of the so-called sleep experts. Mm, yes, it's an interesting one. And uh, sleep deprivation is not a rite of passage. It's not something you should expect, but it's actually a risk factor for depression, and that becomes much harder to treat. They talk about the importance of in treating sleep um, issues with children and turn to the parents and see how they're coping and how they're doing because the parents are very influential in their um, in their children's, uh, what would you say, general well-being? Um, yes, and even at young ages they can sense anxiety and everything in their parents, can't they? Uh, yeah. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, these, these sleep coaches, they charge up to... $1,500 for a stay yeah. and up to two weeks of phone consultations. It, it can be quite expensive yeah. and some of yeah. the stories um, are quite horrific, aren't they? Yes, and uh, I think people probably turn to them out of desperation. They've tried everything else, but I couldn't believe it. It was so much, not just for the program, but per night, those thousands of dollars. So certainly very expensive, isn't it? Yes. Why don't you just give them to the grandma or the... <laughs> uncle or the brother or your best friend for the night. That would solve your problem. It would, wouldn't it? Yes. So it's uh, we it's sort of it's not we think it's a, it's not a light-hearted problem at all if you're involved, is it? I, you know. Oh no, I, ca it's quite... I can't. I was going to say I can't remember my children when they were there, and I've got, got a grandchild now, but he, uh, you know, he has his moments. But he, uh, we got him into a regular routine, which seemed to work. Uh, mm. the various, Various tactics, aren't there, that people try? Yes, you've got to try many things. You've got to be patient too, and you've got to be calm. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging one for many, many parents. The odd spot, Russell. This wasn't you weren't in Japan in recent times, were you? No, no, it wasn't. A, very, a British citizen has been arrested in Japan after a police officer spotted him dumping the remains of his lunch in a post box. The man said he thought the receptacle was a rubbish bin, but the investigators in Kamakura. They revealed there had been a spate of incidents involving food waste in recent months, including three at the same spot where the man was arrested. The 37-year-old is charged with violating Japan's waste management law, but he could also face penalties under the country's postal laws. So uh, don't go putting your old sandwiches in the, the post box. You'd think it was sort of marked up as a post box and probably yep. outside a post office. <laughs> it's hard to believe he thought it was a waste rubbish bin, especially when they'd been. this has been happening for some time, Russell. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a long shot, uh, that story of his. <laughs> it's a long shot. <laughs> even, it didn't in a, work. even in a foreign country, most post boxes are, tend to be bright red, don't they? Uh, and pretty obvious, I think. Absolutely. So <laughs> sure. it'll be interesting to see what becomes of the gentleman. Well, that takes us out for this week. Russ, next week's our final one, and we've got, we're going to have a special bit of a program, um, a little bit of. Um, uh, reminiscing uh, and a few other things, a few surprises. It will be a little different next week, and uh, to tie out, uh, tied out term one, um, and the the advent of Easter, because the program will go to where next week's program on Good Friday. So we'll have a special little treat because we've been together now for what twenty twenty years. About twenty years, yes, I think so. Yeah. What's twenty Boy. years? What's the what is that? Is that um, porcelain or what? Oh, either ruby or. Certainly not gold know. or diamond. No, we've done well to hang in out for twenty years. Yes, and it's we're still even, mates, sort of. That's right. That's, uh, virtually commenced, got underway really when we moved uh, into uh, Cranbourne East, didn't it? Oh, Which that was, was two, yeah. It was two thousand and two. That was yeah. Yeah, Nary one was the honeymoon period. 
and yeah. that's blossomed ever since. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, and anyway, we can talk about that. We'll talk um, all next... about that next week. Um, yeah. You have a good weekend. I hope your footy team does as well as it can. Well, and same to you. Yeah. That is. Okay, <laughs> that was Russell Hanby and What's Making News, listeners. Take care. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> 